It's a very interesting phenomenon. It's a phenomenon that's been observed many times on battlefields all over the world. When soldiers are severely wounded in battle and on the threshold of death, the person they usually call for is not their spouse, it's not one of their children, it's not their best friend. The person they most often call out for at that moment is their mother. There are lots of theories as to why that is, but I think it's because when children have problems in their young lives, the person they normally go to first, the person who seems to have all the answers and can make them feel safe and secure in a difficult situation, that person is their mother. There's a lesson there. Everyone needs a mother. And everyone needs a mother's love. Jesus, of course, as God, knew that, which is why he gave us his mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary, to be our Heavenly Mother. He did that when he hung on the cross on Good Friday and said to the beloved disciple who represented all of us, Son, behold your mother. We are all the children of Mary, whether we are conscious of that or not. Pope John Paul II, as many of you know, was somebody who took his status as Mary's child very seriously. You may not know it, but John Paul's earthly mother died when he was only nine years old. After her death, encouraged by his father, who was a very devout man, John Paul began to look more and more to Mary as his mother. I read an article this past week in which it said that the future pope and his father visited a nearby shrine not long after his mom's passing. At one point, his father pointed to a portrait of the Blessed Mother and said to him, Your mother is dead. This is your mother now. Young Carol Wojtyla, the future Pope John Paul II, needed a mother, and he had one, provided for him by God. And we have the same mother. Praise be God. But for our Heavenly Mother to do for us what she wants to do for us as her children, we need to build our relationship with her. We need to grow in our love for her. And we do that first and foremost, I would say, by meditating on the scriptures, like the one we heard in the Gospel reading today, the scriptures that tell us about the Blessed Mother. The Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So what the Bible says to us about Mary is what the Holy Spirit says to us about Mary. So it's pretty important, to say the least. And then, of course, we need to pray the rosary, or at least a part of it, every single day without exception. The rosary is an extremely powerful prayer. Almost every canonized saint in the last eight centuries has told us that. And I believe the whole world has seen the power of the rosary firsthand in some recent historical events. Talk a little more about that in a few minutes. There are also other prayers we can say and other things we can do above and beyond reading the Bible and praying the Rosary that can help us develop our friendship with the Blessed Mother. I only mention two of them today, specifically because John Paul mentions these in his book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope. These were helpful to him in his relationship with Our Lady. The first is sacred images. We can develop a relationship with Mary by meditating on sacred images of her. 
John Paul II said that he would often, as a young boy, go to his parish church and pray before an image of Our Lady, Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Later on, he prayed many times in the presence of the Black Madonna in Częstochowa, Poland. Sacred images helped him connect with our Blessed Mother in a deeper way. So did pilgrimages, which is the second point he makes in his book that I'll highlight today. I said earlier that John Paul's father told him that Mary was his mother after his own mom died. That happened at a local shrine, local shrine of the Blessed Mother in Poland. John Paul learned other lessons at other shrines. We know how important the shrine of Fatima was in Portugal. He credited Mary, John Paul did, with saving his life on the Feast of the Immaculate Con uh, not the Immaculate, the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima, May 13th in 1981, when he was shot in St. Peter's Square. They told him afterward that it was a miracle that the bullet missed all his vital organs. Some of you will remember John Paul responded by saying, the gunman fired the gun, but Mary guided the bullet. Having a relationship with Mary, being a close friend of our Blessed Mother, can literally save your life here on earth. It can most definitely save your life in eternity. It can also bring us greater peace. In fact, I believe that Mary is a key figure in what God wants to do in our world right now, to make peace more of a reality for everybody. She's the instrument God wants to use to bring people together. Don't we need that? And I'm talking about even people of different faiths. Now you might say, well, Father Ray, every Protestant I know says that Mary's the problem, not the solution. They say Mary divides us. Mary takes us away from Jesus. I realize they say that, but in most cases that's because they don't, don't understand what the Church actually teaches about our Blessed Mother. For many years we bought into the false idea that Mary is to be ignored in our dealings with people of other faiths, because Mary somehow drives a wedge between us. But I've come to realize in my life the exact opposite is true. Mary is actually the key, the key to greater unity even with Jews, even with Muslims. Did you know, for example, that Muslims have a deep regard for the Blessed Mother? She's the only woman mentioned in the Koran, their sacred book, over 30 times. No other woman is mentioned even once. And in the Koran, she's described in an interesting way. She's described as virgin, ever virgin. Can you imagine that? The doctrine that certain liberal Christians reject, the perpetual virginity of Mary, that's accepted by Muslims. They believe in that. Concerning his daughter, whose name was Fatima, Muhammad, the founder of Islam, said this, she has the highest place in heaven after the Virgin Mary. Is it a coincidence that in 1917, Mary appeared to three children in a place that was named after a Muslim convert to the Catholic faith, a woman who at her birth had been named after Muhammad's daughter. You think that was a coincidence? I don't think so. That's what I would call a God incidence. In fact, the amazing thing is today, many Muslims make pilgrimages to the 
Catholic shrine there in Fatima, Portugal. That means that as we speak, Mary is bringing Christians and Muslims together already in peace. And don't you think Mary can also be a bridge between Christians and Jews? What better, better way to share the good news with somebody of the Jewish faith than to speak of, to them about the greatest human person who ever lived, just happened to be a Jewish mother, one of their own, who was faithful to the Mosaic Law, as St. Luke makes clear in his infancy narrative. Today's feast, of course, reminds us of this. It reminds us of Mary's holiness, of Mary's greatness. Today we celebrate the Feast of Our Lady's Immaculate Conception, which refers, of course, to Mary's conception in the womb of her mother, St. Anne. It does not refer to the conception of Jesus in the womb of Mary at the Annunciation. Many people get those two events mixed up. The Immaculate Conception prepared Mary to be the mother of Jesus. The Immaculate Conception itself refers to the fact that Mary, by a special grace from God, was preserved from original sin from the first moment of her conception in her mother's womb. And then, of course, she never ever sinned in her entire life, which is why she was the greatest human person who ever lived. Jesus, remember, was a divine person, so he's in a different category. And what about our Protestant brothers and sisters? It's been my experience over the years that once devout Protestants understand what the Catholic Church really teaches about Mary, many of them fall in love with the Blessed Mother. They realize that she's a great biblical role model for them. Why do I say that? Well, very simply because committed Protestants are devoted to the Word of God, which is great. Committed Protestants want to obey Jesus. Well, guess what? Mary was also devoted to the Word. She also wanted people to obey Jesus. In fact, her two famous lines of Scripture say as much. Be it done unto me according to your word. We heard that in today's Gospel. And do whatever he, that is to say, Jesus tells you. So you see, our Blessed Mother is not a barrier, as many have mistakenly believed all these years. She's actually the bridge. The bridge, the bridge I believe, that God wants to use to bring greater peace to our world in the third millennium. And we have a precedent for this. We've already seen historically how Mary can have a decisive role in bringing peace to a potentially cataclysmic situation. I alluded to this earlier. Remember the Cold War? Some of us are old enough to remember that. Remember the threat that Soviet communism was to the security of this country? Remember the fallout shelters? Remember the threats of nuclear war, nuclear annihilation? If I had told you 40 years ago that the Berlin Wall would be torn down someday, that the Soviet Union would come to an end, without a major military conflict of some sort. Those of you who are old enough, how would you have responded? Let's be honest about it. You probably would have laughed at me. Said, sure, Father Ray. It's a nice thought. It's really a nice idea. That's all it is, an idea. It's never going to happen that way. But it did. 
And even secular historians admit that one of the major players, if not the major player, in the peaceful collapse of the Soviet bloc was John Paul II. And many of them maintain that the collapse began 11 years before the Berlin Wall fell, in June of 1979, when the Pope went to his native country of Poland for the very first time. Do you remember that visit, how powerful it was? Do you remember the news footage of the Polish communist leader, General Jaruzelski? He was visibly trembling in the presence of the Holy Father. Historians tell us that that papal visit sent shockwaves through the communist world and ignited what's been called a revolution of conscience among the people. Because for the very first time, somebody had publicly confronted a communist leader on his own turf, and he lived to talk about it. At Fatima, in 1917, the Blessed Mother had told the world to pray the rosary for the conversion of Russia. I believe God combined the grace from all those rosaries, those millions of rosaries that were said for more than 70 years, and from the masses that were said during that time. Combine that grace with the actions of a pope intensely dedicated to our Blessed Mother, and use that to put an end to an oppressive, godless form of government in Eastern Europe which had been responsible for the deaths, the murders, of millions and millions and millions of people. Peter Cetera said it beautifully in a song he wrote back in the 1980s, just goes to prove what one good woman can do. Especially when that woman happens to be the mother of God. So the bottom line is this, my brothers and sisters, and I'll leave you with this thought. If you really want peace, increase your devotion to the Blessed Mother. Be more like John Paul II. Love Mary. Go to Mary. Pray to Mary. Pray the Rosary, or at least one decade of it, every single day without exception asking Our Lady's special intercession for peace, for peace with the Muslim world, for peace with people of other religions, people of no religion. Pray it, ask her intercession for greater peace here in our own country, because Lord knows we need it.